0: All right, we are Under the Tower, the Halifax Tower, or Belvedere, as we call it. Under the Tower is your opportunity to learn more about your Halifax Health team members and how we all have a story to tell. So welcome to Under Under the the tower. Tower! Today, we have Jeff Fiesel, our fearless leader, CEO, president, and all-around good guy.
1: Which we should say thank you for coming on, for sure, and being our second guest.
0: Yeah, that's right. You're our second guest. Second guest. Sharon, Sharon, Sharon was... Who is the first? Sharon James. Sharon
2: James. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Rightfully
0: so. Right. Yeah. Yes.
2: The
1: longest standing Halifax Health team member, Sharon James.
0: She was amazing, as mm-hmm. usual. And did you know her grandson works here? He's the nicest guy in the world hang on we might i said i love your grandmother and he goes i love her too yes
1: yeah, he she's so friendly. cool
0: so she was great right and she talked about opportunity and all these great things but one thing i come back to and unfortunately i am getting older and jeff said a long time ago the reason we want to have a good health system here is because I might need it. It's very true. And damn if it isn't true. Mm -hmm. Kaylee has had her husband here. I don't think that's unfair to say. I have had my family here. Jeff has had his family here. Talk to us. I mean, seriously, it's unbelievable that we have it. And thank God we do. What's your take on that?
2: Well, we don't think about it when we're younger. Um, We're indestructible. As we we're growing up, we can't even imagine that we would possibly need a healthcare system other than being born, of course. And mm-hmm. none of us have memories of that. <laughs> um, so then, you know, we flash back to what we know. And as we grow older, we take care of our parents who are in healthcare systems, our grandparents, and we're exposed to it. But then, all of a sudden, when it hits home, and we're the ones laying uh, horizontally in a bed, it, it brings on a whole new meaning. And I joke with some of my buddies. I say, "Listen, you." You know, um, I don't have any plans of retiring, so I'm gonna keep on going. And uh, somebody's gotta be here to take care of all of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I need somebody to take care of me.
0: Yeah, that's true. true. And so it's crazy. So when I was at Speedway, people called me for parking spots and tickets. Right. Now that I'm here, they call me when they're coming to the emergency room or, or wanna know what doctor to go. How many times oh. do you get called <laughs> at different times and somebody's like, hey, Jeff, I'm uh, headed here? Right.
2: Um nobody calls me for tickets and parking. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. But healthcare, yeah, it's it's interesting. It kind of comes in waves. Um it seems like it may whether it's a holiday weekend or something, um I'll get three or four calls and it's like I I look at my, you know, self and say what in the world is going mm-hmm. on here, you know? And then I'll go a couple weeks and I won't get any. Um but uh yeah, so when they come at uh when it rains, it pours. So yes, yeah,
0: That's right. right. My favorite is the one that I get, which is I didn't want to bother Jeff, so I called you. Oh, for and sure. That, that's a great one. I Plan really appreciate B. that. Yeah, that's okay. And, you, but you? I kind of like that. But what yeah. they don't know, and here's what they don't know. We can't do that much for them because we're doing, everybody's doing the best they can already. I think yeah. it's
1: just knowing that you have yeah. somebody on the inside, yeah. you know?
2: That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I tell people that, and it's like, listen, call um, knowing you have somebody on the inside that can make calls and uh,
0: like Lindsey Martin, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah Lindsey probably God gets goodness. lots of calls. I, I bet yes.
0: when we have her on, we'll ask her. I bet it's a lot. For sure,
2: I know I call her a lot.
0: I yeah. do too. I called her this morning. I mean, it's just like seriously.
1: So w- we always say we're not going to talk healthcare. We're not but, talking healthcare, but as the president CEO of Halifax Health, you came into this before we even knew COVID wasn't a thing. The pandemic was a thing. You woke up the first day of COVID. What were you thinking? Did you realize Ooh, what was question. about to happen?
2: Thank God we're not in New York. Yeah, oh. no kidding. Yeah, yeah, I just I feel so bad for um, oh. everyone, the citizens of New York. You know, the the public health care system, the hospitals. You know, they they were on the tip of the spear, mm-hmm. and you know it was before. Well, Way before we knew anything about the disease, they were doing the best that they could possibly do, making decisions, and, you know, it's easy to sit back and and second-guess what they did and how they did it, but I can't imagine being in that environment. No. It's just horrible. That would be terrible. Absolutely horrible. But, um, you know, I think our—I'm extremely proud of our organization and our people and the way they responded, the things they did, the way they conducted themselves uh, throughout the pandemic, and— Gee, many Christmas. Uh, The frontline people, it's it's easy for me to sit here and talk about it, but those frontline people that were every day working with COVID patients, whether it was our physicians, our nurses, our CNAs, our respiratory therapists, you name it, all of our providers that were risking um, the unknown, but yet you never heard a peep out of them. Exactly. You never heard them complain. Tough, Yeah, and they did it amazing yeah. job selfless well that's what they train for They're amazing dr yeah.
0: harman's a great example of that i mean dr kent Harmon, the head of our intensivists mm-hmm. i mean it's amazing i mean he just it was never a choice like yeah well i right. mean we'll, we'll assign these to other people or anything i
2: mean he was just straight in i can't
1: imagine the icu during covid no. or every floor
2: well or yeah the, and the, the biocontainment BCU, unit that was created which
0: by the way in the future when Dr. Veal wants to name something, he's not allowed to because the biocontainment unit sounds terrible. Wait, I, it, what is that? Okay, I don't know. so we, we had to cohort our patients who were positive with COVID right. in a place.
1: When we were at high numbers yeah, here? Okay, yeah,
0: like 25 of them. And Jacob Nagib, an amazing designer. Yes. And Dr. Veal got together and Dr. Harmon and a bunch of others, and they came up with a way we could do this. And they named it the biocontainment unit. So, so Kaylee, um, your loved one's in the biocontainment right. unit instead Ugh. of the special isolation unit. Right. So we're going to work on that. We're going to work on the oh, acronyms good. with Dr. <laughs> Veal. I mean, that was just,
2: who wants to be there?
1: Well, we're never going to have a pandemic again. So.
2: I'm with you. Oh. Well, we'll have to come up with a, yeah. a different name. Something a little the better. Real, the real purpose of that um, unit was... So that when we found someone that came in that thought they might be positive, that we didn't have to bring them through the hospital. Oh. We didn't have to bring them into the emergency room. We didn't have to, to have them there that we could escort them by wheelchair uh, around to the back of the hospital and enter through the, our old community clinic uh, entrance and have everything contained in one unit as, to have, as opposed to having COVID-positives. Patients spread throughout the hospital. Right. Now, as the pandemic continued and we learned more about what it was and what it wasn't, then we did have patients on different units. But uh, initially, when we weren't sure how we were going to deal with it, that was the purpose of, of having that unit back
1: there. And where was it located?
2: If you go around to the back of the hospital, mm-hmm. and uh, if, if you go into the fountain entrance in the back there oh. by the auditorium, mm-hmm. if you're looking at that just to the right of that um, is what used to be an old community clinic. Um,
1: oh.
0: That we,
2: we took care of uh, people who didn't have primary care physicians. Right. And we converted that. Um, Overnight, practically. Yeah. There was hospice offices and different things yeah. in there. And it was converted to basically wow. an ICU. Really cool. It had, had, interestingly enough, it was an old GI lab, gastrointestinal mm-hmm. Uh, procedures labs for uh, endoscopies and colonoscopies, and we moved that upstairs. So it had all the medical gases and everything yeah. in it. So it was converted very quickly. All right, that's Fine. too
0: much healthcare. We're off healthcare. You brought us <laughs> to healthcare. I had
2: I want to I do one, one. Say one more thing. Though. All right. When we were talking that that we have here, we were talking about Dr. Veal and Dr. Harmon, our nurses, our respiratory therapists, and this goes back to the comment that we had years ago during our Cornerstone program. And connecting the why to you, and um, and it also goes to why I've stayed in healthcare for 38 years. Mm. Because people ask me, they're like, you know, that's that's political. It's hard. You know, how do you do what you do? And um, I I do what I do because I get to get up every morning and come to work. With some amazing people, so true. Amazing people that take care of our community yep. when they really, really need us, and I get to be a part of that. Yep. And I'm a business guy. Yep. And I just think it's so cool. That is such, cool. Such an honor for me to to be a part of uh, an organization like this with the commitment that's been made for soon to be 95 years. Come January 6th of mm-hmm. 2023. That's crazy. 95, 95 years. 95 years. I need a new lapel pin. So yeah. Okay. We'll get I that. Love help <laughs> it's we'll get that. 90.
0: And some balloons. Oh, yeah. We'll do it. Yeah. Um, so I think I would have liked to have grown up a Fiesel. Yeah. Because I have this picture of the Fiesel household, but it could be wrong. I'd
1: agree on this probably. In Ohio.
0: Yeah. And I think it was probably a very structured environment and very, um, very Midwest value driven what was the fiesel household hmm
2: it was very midwest um relatively conservative we didn't have a lot my father was a barber oh
0: i didn't know that
2: yeah, it was. he was he drove school bus in the morning and then went to his, bar, his barber shop That's cool awesome. and uh, the only barber shop in town and um you know, it it's a town of about 400 people, maybe. In right? Ohio? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In Bloomdale, Ohio. Okay. Uh, up in northwest Ohio between Bowling Green and Finley. And uh, my mother was a secretary at the local school. And then later on, my dad uh, became a rural mail carrier. Oh, yeah. So he'd go and carry the mail in the morning out into the country and the homes around Bloomdale. And then uh, would go to the barbershop in the afternoon. So I didn't have a whole lot. I was grateful for everything I had and felt bad when my parents had to buy me a pair of basketball shoes or track shoes or, or football cleats because, uh, you know, growing up in the middle of cornfields, we went from playing this sport to this sport to this right, sport. So right. football basketball, else to basketball to track to baseball. And in the summers, we worked in the fields, bale and hay. It was, Whew, kept us tough. in shape for for sports, painting, fence line, cutting ditch bank and so um, in the summers I either worked for uh, a lady that owned a sheep farm or uh, the county highway department where we cut ditch bank or laid down uh, widened roads and things uh, or painted pipelines for a Buckeye pipeline. So it was always some kind of summer gig and when we were actually when we were earlier in high school and junior high my uncles owned a a lumberyard so we learned how to tear off roofs and put new roofs on Yeah, some of them were tar, some of them were shingles, but uh, we were always doing something. Um, And uh, my my father was one of eight; had five. uh, There were five boys and three girls. And uh, of course, all my uncles were uh, and aunts were always very much involved in my life. And on Sunday afternoons, we'd go to my grandmother's and have potluck dinners. And but the families always got together.
0: What did you eat every Sunday? pretty much That's everything. awesome. I that. Man, that's what yeah. we need to do so much more of these days. Mm-hmm. What did you eat?
2: Yeah, whatever whatever, whatever people was put on yeah. plate. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so,
1: fast forward a couple of years. How what brought you to Halifax Health?
2: Well, it was 1998 and I was at the Medical College of Ohio and we had done some work with Ernst & Young. Ernst & Young is a healthcare consulting firm as well as a financial auditing and accounting firm and uh, they're one of the big ones, and we had done some work with them there, and Halifax was using them here in Florida, and, and Halifax was um, strained financially at the time for various reasons, but they had reached out to Ernst and & Young and said, hey, uh, we need a revenue cycle guy down here that, that understands the operations of the hospital, but also understands the importance of information technology and so forth. So they reached out to a consultant with Ernst & Young in Cleveland and said, we, we're we looking for some people who aren't looking to move, but um, are accomplished in their profession because we need to, to bring our revenue cycle back in-house. Halifax had outsourced it, um, which was a mistake, and they'd outsourced their IT and their revenue cycle. So they were looking to bring that back in-house. First year it came down, uh, actually, at the time Ron Reese came, was trying to come up to Ohio, he got caught in a snowstorm in Cincinnati, had to turn around and come back. And he says, "Why don't you come down here?" Oh, he was <laughs> coming to see you. Yeah, uh-huh. he, he said he was coming to check out our shop. Right. Um, and I told him at the time, I said, "Listen, I'm not uh, not in a position to to move, and if I'm going to move, I'm probably not going to move to the Atlantic side of Florida. I'd move mean, to the Gulf side, because we had vacationed in Sarasota and." we had talked about later in our years, maybe moving there. Long story short, uh, he offered, uh, offered me the job, I turned it down the first year, almost a year to the day later, he called back and said, hey, has anything changed? And I said, yeah. I said, my daughter now going into high school, as opposed to being between seventh and eighth grade, um, I've had another year to uh, spend in the winter being chilled yeah. to the bone. Yeah, true. Thinking I could be in Florida. Right, right. And I was finishing up my MBA. So there were some things that were going on. The first year was too much too fast. and okay. The second year it made sense. So uh, I moved in April of 2000. And my wife uh, stayed with the kids in Ohio for four months. And I went, flew back and forth until they finished out the school year, went through, and it got to be summer. And she says, you know, if we move now, the kids are not. Aren't going to know anybody. So, how about if we stay in Ohio for the summer and move down when school starts? And I'm like, well, that's great for all of you, but mm-hmm. it kind of sucks to be me having to continue traveling. But it uh, it was the right thing to do for the kids. So, that's what we did. So, that's how I got here and came in as a vice president in the organization in charge of our revenue cycle operations and kind of had some uh, backroom discussions about our IT shop. We had just converted from MetaPack to Eclipsis. And, that wasn't a, a good uh, install, and um, very labor intensive from a personnel perspective and an IT point of view. Was not an integrated system, so uh, that was in 2000. Well, that was prior to 2000. You know, the Y2K, of the world was. Oh going yeah, to end. right. So in 2002, we converted to Meditech, which is a fully integrated system, and um, we. Cancelled all of our managed care contracts and got our cash flow straightened out and, and it was a it was a long haul But it would have t- I thought it would probably gonna take about five years, but it for the support that we got from Ron Reese and the Board of Commissioners at the time we were able to Get things back on track in three years and that's when I was named the COO of the system and then uh, two years later, was named a CEO. In January That's a good 2005. ride. 2005. Did That's you a great ride? Did you
1: always want to be CEO, or did you come here not even thinking that?
2: No, I absolutely was thinking that.
1: Oh, okay.
2: And to pick up my family and move from Northwest Ohio, where all of our extended family was, I right. uh, had the conversation with Mr. Reese and said, "Listen, uh, uh, we can get this squared away." Mm-hmm. And I said, "But I'd like to know that there's a next step." And uh, he told me at the time, he says, well, I'm going to retire in five years and all I can do is recommend you for, for the job. And um, he was uh, thus the progression from where I right. started as a vice president in the organization to the chief operating officer in three years. And then uh, a total of five years from the time I started, uh, the board uh, gave me the honor and privilege of being named a CEO. I didn't know that. We had a great board at the time. Well, we have a great board today. We've we've been fortunate throughout. Maury Hosseini uh, was the vice chair at the time. Glenn Ritchie was the chair. Dr. Bruce Kennedy was on the board. Don Quinn was on the board. Vivi Klor was on the board. Nora Hall and um, Betty Holness. Wow. wow, solid board. It is yeah, solid. It's a <laughs> good one.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, people start their jobs sometimes, and their well, Kaylee just did this. It's like, what the heck? So, you have a story about when you started your job. So, you had just graduated from college. Yeah. And you went to the hospital, and what happened?
2: Well, this was back in 1984. This correct?
0: is 21 year old Jeff Feasel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe 20. Is that when you had the cheesy mustache or not yet? <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> Calling him out—he did. He <laughs> Love did. It. I'm saving one
2: more. Right. My uh, two boys have a different term for it. Oh, <laughs> I did have a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> now keep in mind, this is in the Tom Selleck days. Yeah, sure. The you. original. You know, Magnum P.I. Well, and the fact that your father was a barber explains a lot. You wouldn't know my father was a barber (laughs) by by my hair at the time.
1: You don't have to defend your mustache either. I mean, embrace it. Kaylee
2: likes mustaches, actually. Mm. It was, uh, yes, I had the (laughs) mustache at that point. Graduated from Bowling Green State University with a Bachelor of Science degree in Administrative Management. Applying for jobs, and this is when you look for a job in the Wanted. Access, right, right. I remember stuff. those days. And, um, you know, we don't think about it today, but the job market was terrible. Inflation yeah. was terrible. Yeah. Interest rates were high. And I fell, literally fell into this job at Wood County Hospital, which was not a county hospital. It was a 501c3, not-for-profit, private not-for-profit. Had no public support from uh, taxes or anything and uh, probably about a 120 bed hospital had a labor and delivery unit that's where our kids were born and um, they did a great job but just a couple of general surgeons a couple of orthopedic surgeons you know no more than half a dozen uh, between the two of them quite frankly and um, a lot of primary care GI so, it was a basically small community hospital, and uh, everything we, when we, I was hired as the manager of the uh, admitting department, every patient we admitted was on a half of a sheet of paper, but this half a sheet of paper was multi-copies, and it was on this, whole, uh, this thing called PCR paper. It's, it's like, there's no carbon paper between it, but mm-hmm. this PCR paper, if you wrote hard enough, it pressed through under the following um, copies. And that's how we kept track of patients.
1: Gosh, and scary! Uh, it
2: was amazing. Oh, yeah. So um, here I was, put in charge of probably twenty um, men and women who registered patients, who put in all the charges for patients, um, maintained their medical records, and I do nothing about healthcare. But this was right out of right out of college. Mm-hmm. So I went to the school hard knocks too. It's also responsible for all the business supplies of the uh, the organization. And so I met different suppliers, office supply people, uh, people who did all of our forms. And it was a great experience for me because Big job. The smaller hospital you get into, the more hats you have to
0: wear. That's a big job, though.
2: Yeah, it was. Did and, you have a briefcase? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I had an open, it opened up, yeah.
2: Bur- <laughs> Burgundy briefcase yeah, with I had the, one of those. the three little yeah. dials yeah. on yeah. it and the lock. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I still awesome. have it. Do you? Yeah, and I don't I think I briefcases. have mine.
0: Do you? All my briefcases. How many do you have? I didn't know you had uh, this kind of a briefcase fetish. I probably... <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what we're getting from this.
2: Uh, all in all, probably at least 10. Wow. Yeah, sitting in the back of one of my closets. In the so if things area. go bad, we know where to go for briefcases. Right. Yeah. Do you
1: still bring one to work every day, a briefcase? I do, yeah. Wow.
2: It's, uh, it's a shoulder bag. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And it, it weighs way too much. Right. And I, I tote things back and forth, and it's—it's, it's, you know, if I had to say this, only probably two two nights out of the week, but always on weekends, something will come out of there, either reading material or. And then I'll go through and try to thin it out.
0: Sounds like a security blanket for an executive. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Yeah, I think, I think they probably are. probably
2: what's caused my back and neck. next <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. So, probably. okay, so
1: healthcare aside, job aside, everything, who is Jeff outside of these four walls?
0: Well, I have a question to ask about that. Oh, okay. Because we've had a discussion about this before, but I don't have it on tape. What goes on the Fiesel chicken wings? Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's what I need to know. What goes on the Feasel chicken wings? I'd have to take your life if
1: <laughs> Wait, do you make? Wait, hold on.
0: He's a, you, oh, he's a wing guy. Uh,
1: you make yeah. good wings.
2: Yeah.
1: Ah. <laughs> so you have a secret sauce. This
2: goes back to the the Sunday afternoons at uh, Grandma Feasel's. Really. Um, every year, um, in June, we'd have a family reunion, and we'd go to another small town nearby, but they had a, a city hall of a community building and um i remember this like it was yesterday we would go to the lumberyard i was talking about with my uncles and they had all these masonry bricks that we would use and we'd outline oh, nice. the charcoal pit yeah and they had these huge iron yes. steel racks yep. with with chicken the real the square uh yep. chicken wire Yeah. real mm-hmm. small stuff heavy duty stuff and they would wire those to those racks and we would lay 25 halves, nice. 25 half chickens on each one of those racks. And then you'd put another one down on top of it and you'd, you'd flip Eternal. them that way. Awesome. But then you'd also have a stainless steel um, sprayer. And it was stainless steel so that it held, it held the heat in because the recipe that John's talking about <laughs> was heavy and butter. Yep.
0: Oh, that's yes. a good idea. A
1: lot of butter. Yep.
2: It had uh, water, vinegar. Interesting. Butter, salt, and Worcestershire sauce. And worcestershire That's the recipe. Yeah. Th- that's okay. it? That's it. And
0: then you spritz them every time you turn them?
2: Yep.
1: And no the hot sauce?
0: The more, the better. No hot sauce.
1: No sugar, nothing like that? Nope. I got to try these. Yeah, yeah. Wow.
0: Now I got it. Oh, yeah. It's recorded for posterity. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Or maybe... the question
2: is how much. Yeah, I know. You're, right. not, you're not That's giving that.
1: Right. Okay, so now back at the original question. Did you yeah, get your no. answer? Yeah, I got okay. my answer. Well, who is Jeff outside of these four walls?
2: Well, I used to, uh, when I was a younger lad, uh, be very active in sports and uh, always doing something. Um, before I met my wife, I played a lot of basketball.
1: You're very um, tall. How tall are you?
2: Um, depends on the day, but six, four. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, I I was six, three and three quarters for the first 50 years of my life. Uh huh. When I turned 50, I felt as though I earned a right to be six, four. Oh, why not? Correct. Why not? So I bumped bumped it up. You did. Um, that's my story and I'm sticking it to it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, my, uh, I went to college and played college football, um, had an opportunity to run track in college, but said, no, I'm done running, other than conditioning. Oof. But, you know, I always liked playing basketball um, and continued to play basketball. And uh, even after uh, got married and we had kids. Um, and then, um, you know, kids come along and you shift from doing what you do to doing what they do. Coaching. And coaching them. And, yep. and so that's where uh, my focus turned to. And, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting transition because you transition from you to your wife and kids. And then it's all about, you know, your wife and kids the rest of your life and everything that was important to you. And you did in your spare time is gone. You don't have time for it. Mm -hmm. And then there's this thing called work. And uh, based upon, you know, how much time you spend there, you start to run out of time. And if you have a home and property and and uh, in Bowling Green, we had a couple of acres. So it was like, what were we thinking when we did this? Riding mower. has to be maintained. Yeah. And, and the kids were too young. So that was uh, the gig on the weekends and the summers. And then there's painting the house. And so, you know, it was fun. I wouldn't trade it for anything, I wouldn't do anything different than uh, I've done. And uh, uh, as you all know, my wife passed away two years ago of uh, early onset Alzheimer's. And I, I, I say that because I've had people. Um, approach me and say, you know, I knew your wife died and I'm so sorry, but I never knew what she passed of. And so, and everybody, um, seems to know somebody that's had Alzheimer's and has passed away. And, uh, so, you know, now my focus is all on my kids and, and, uh, um, hopefully, one of them will start, will get married and start having babies. <laughs> right. <laughs> hint, hint. Uh, right. <laughs> sorry. So, I hope I'm not pushing them too hard. For you know, sure. I, um, I don't want to push them into doing something that might be a mistake for them. Right. But, <laughs> right. Come on. I'm 60 years old. Tick tock, right? And, uh, let's go. Let's got go. Kids that are 36, 31, and 29. Calling them out. Yeah. Wow. All right. So,
1: are they all here, by the way? Are all three of your kids in Volusia County?
2: Well, interestingly enough yes kind of okay um, my wife and I bought a house over on the river to uh, renovate and possibly knock down at the time we bought it in 2005 and um, you know pretty much right at the peak it's just just before the peak of the, the whole housing thing but this house was partially uh, the roof was torn partially off in the hurricanes of 2004 if you remember those so um, We got it for what we thought was a reasonable price, and our plan was that we'd uh, knock it down, build new. Well, then, you know, 2008, 9, 10 came, and economic downturn, and uh, we just used it as is to have access to the river. So we kept our boat there, and and, uh, the kids used it as a party house. Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) When I when I come back reincarnated, I want to be one of my kids. (laughs) Yeah, right. And. so uh, it wasn't until 2015 that we just made the decision to, to go ahead and get the house and renovate it and just finish that. But um, <laughs> that's a long way of saying that uh, um, our two boys kind of moved in. On right. right. Smart right. boys, okay. And, yeah, they claimed the river house. And at the time, our daughter was – she was probably in Jacksonville. She's, she's gone from Jacksonville to Chicago to Savannah – to Denver, and right now she's uh, she's back home. And uh, as we speak, she's she uh, she's working for CVS online, doing research and uh, designs a lot of their websites. How awesome! And does uh, product research and consumer research for them. She got her graduate degree from Savannah College of Art and Design. So she moved home from Denver. And uh, she moved into my office at home. So she said, hey, when can you have your stuff out Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm like, okay.
1: But that must be nice having her home.
2: It is. Um, but a couple, of, I guess it was last weekend, she, she went up to uh, just west of Asheville, North Carolina. She, like, she, she likes the mountains. That's why she was in Denver. And I don't want her going back to Denver. So she's, uh, she's going up to uh, Asheville. Uh, in that area and she actually put an offer on her house Nice. so she's going to have it inspected and wow. her plan was to spend the summers up there because she doesn't like the hot yeah. so, the humidity and then come back here um, and hang out with me in the uh, winter months Perfect. so I think it's a good plan yeah I like that yeah. she works from home so I don't think it would really matter
1: She's got the snowbird plan down at an early age. Yeah, yeah.
2: At thirty-six. I like it. Yeah, yeah darn. Connor's still at the River House <laughs> and uh, loving life. He's working for Bill Navarre and Realty Pros. Doing really well
1: over there, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: He's loving it, and a good time to be a realtor. Um, and he eventually <laughs> wants to accumulate property, rental properties, and manage those, and accumulate his wealth that way. And um, Mitchell is in Tampa now. Uh, with his girlfriend Morgan. Morgan's works um with an image company called Edelman. Uh it's an international firm. And um she decides she has friends in Tampa so they're moving to Tampa and and, uh so kinda sorta. They're all close enough.
0: Yeah. You can have you can have dinner together if you if you drive on a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we tried to keep this at a half hour, and I I want to reiterate what what Kaylee said. Thank you for coming, and we'll probably have you back, because I could talk to you for a long time. But I told you this was kind of an irreverent show, and when Mary Beth, um, who runs the hospital, actually, for (laughs) those of you who don't know, (laughs) she kind of runs the hospital. She said, well, are there questions that I can give Jeff in advance? Mm -hmm. And normally, I always say, yes, absolutely, I'll have them to you in like three minutes. Mm -hmm. But... This one, I said, no, really can't because we just don't know where it's going to go. And you brought up your height. And I know something about your height that maybe you don't want the world to know, but I'm going to tell it because I just think it's great. What? So there's another, I know we're not going to talk about health, but there's another health system in town. And I have heard rumor that they look at Jeff Fiesel as... Darth Vader <laughs> why because he's tall because he's tall and because he has a presence about him Ah. Wow. Have you heard that rumor?
2: I have heard. Yeah, it. <laughs> See? Really? Yeah. See it's probably like it. true. Yeah, I'd I don't like know it too. Much about Darth Well,
0: Vader. Are Darth you? Well, no, so I was thinking about Darth Vader's evil, but he was good So I think they're kind of backwards in what they're saying. I don't care whether
2: he's evil but, or Well, <laughs> no,
0: but I so so this is what I wanted to ask Kaylee about this so if Okay, he has the stature and presence of Darth Vader, Uh-huh. but I continually think he's the smartest guy in the room, all the time. For sure, right? So, which Star Wars character would he really be? Oh, this see, is a problem.
1: All I know is Princess Le- Princess Leia. Well, he can't be Luke,
0: Princess Leia. Luke Princess Skywalker is no good.
1: Obi, oh, wait. Mm, I'm not good at this. I'm wow, not I'm, I'm with really you I don't know any Star Wars. All right,
0: so Yoda is the little guy who's the smartest. But he's the wise but one. That can't be Jeff. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to be known as No, either. no. And Obi-Wan <laughs> just, just is the smartest fun. dude that, you know, you would think, right? But I think he gets killed, doesn't he, John? Yeah, Whoa, so he gets killed. Out. right? So so I think we will keep him as Darth Vader. That's fine. You he's
2: our done. Darth Vader, but he's a good Darth Vader. That's right.
1: He is yeah. our father. Is that how that
2: goes? Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. I <laughs> exactly. I like Darth Vader, but this goes back to I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I don't know. I just happen to surround myself with the smartest people. Could be good answer. I mean, this goes back to my comment before. I I, I get to work with some really smart people. Mm It's true. We got the smartest people in our community right here at Halifax Health and our medical staff, our clinicians, our pharmacists, our dosimetrists, our physicists. Name it, you know, and it goes beyond the clinical area into the non-clinical areas and our. Legal team, our financial team, our human resource team, our right, marketing team, our communication team. You win. Yeah. You, win. Yeah. you may not be I'm the not smartest,
0: okay, but I will say this: you ask a lot of really good questions. Will right. you give me that one?
2: I'll give you that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I ask a lot yeah. of questions.
1: And you hold a presence when you walk into a room, which Darth Vader does too. Yeah. Exactly.
2: You know, uh, thank you for that. Uh, that those things, those, those things are hard for me to understand because sure. I'm that punk from. Northwest Ohio, grew up in the middle of cornfields, right. and, and uh, uh, made my way to Daytona Beach and feel so fortunate about that, and uh, I'm just one of the guys, and uh, like to hang out and do the same things that everybody else does, and uh, sometimes people are a little bit standoffish, and that's hard for me to, to grasp and swallow, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, um, an old high school basketball coach used to use this analogy in... Uh, we probably shouldn't use this on a podcast, but it's all right. You know, you
0: had, we actually don't know if anybody's going to listen. Yes,
1: it so
2: will. We're good. Plenty. <laughs> we'll
1: have at least three people. We're okay? good. We're
2: good. Well, you can imagine in the day, I'll, I'll substitute another piece of uh, apparel. He said, every you know, these other team puts their socks on the same yeah, way we do yeah, every day. Yeah, right. And uh, so, we're just as good or better than them. You know, put your right. socks on right. and let's go. Your yeah. special socks on, yeah, and yeah, I got I, you. It's the same way today. I, I put my socks on the same way, yeah, that's true, else does.
0: right? Well, that's that's a great attitude, and we want to thank you so much for being here because I yes. think the more, um, we can share the stories of Halifax Health with all of our team members and the community, quite frankly, the more they understand what it's all about, um, exactly. And we are so lucky to have had Jeff Fiesel, the CEO and president of Halifax Health,
1: under, under the, the tower.
0: tower.
2: Thank you.